isn't the first time I've done this, but it's been a long time. Kenesha was in the... <laughs> Kenesha was in the carrier, and I used to take her to the bank, and I preached for Mother's Day back then. My very first sermon was when I was in high school. So there's really no limit. So three over the course of 75 years, that's not too bad. <laughs> so um, I really want to just, first of all, just very briefly, but I want to honor Winona this morning, the special mother of the house, the queen of the house, person who does so much stuff that nobody else knows she did it, but she is responsible for it and for the organization, organization of the office and all that goes on with the music ministry and so on. We love you, Winona. So my topic this morning has changed about four or five times already. Half the notes stayed at home, so say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of them uh, I have brought. But I want to talk about the opportune time. The opportune time. And I have never really heard of anybody speak about that. But I have a couple examples of, you know, when is the right time and when does it really matter with what we do? Our time. And also, are we the master of our time? Or does time just go and we follow along and our day just goes like this all the time? So I have one illustration, and I don't know where I got it from, but I thought it was um, very um, good in this, uh, in this message. And that is of um, a Dutchman who... <laughs> yay, yay, all the Dutchmen. <laughs> now I'm going to get favor, right? Um, he had just come over from Holland in 1955 to Winnipeg. And while he was there, he was walking down the street, very limited knowledge of the English language. But as he was walking down the street, he heard this couple, or this, at least this lady and someone else talking, and they were talking in Dutch. And he, wow, and he was just really interested. So he thought, well, I'm going to talk to this lady. So he did, which um, he could speak that too. So they um, were having this conversation, and in the midst of it, she was really concerned because she says, right now, here in Winnipeg and in all of Canada, we have a polio epidemic. And many of you have been old enough to realize that. That was just before I started nurses training, and it was very bad very bad. People lived with the ones who had polio lived in iron lung machines. That's how they lived. If they wanted um, to communicate with somebody, they went and they would just keep doing that and that's how they communicated. And so this lady was saying, we are really in a struggle here in Winnipeg because we don't have enough staff. In fact, we don't We'll take anybody. We'll just take anybody because there aren't enough people to help these people out. And he thought, I don't have a job. Okay. He took the opportune moment and he said to the lady, I'll take it. I don't have any training. You'll have to teach me what to do, etc. But I'll take the job. So he worked there for two and a half years as um, an orderly. 
in this particular hospital that had all of these rooms with iron lungs in them. We can't even imagine that today. We can't even think that that's how those people existed, but that's how they did. And he said one day, he was, um, only half the staff were there because the other half of them were downstairs having coffee, when all of a sudden the power went out. And he said, all I could hear was from every room, from every place. And he said, I had two patients that were mine to look after. Uh, he said, I don't know anything about it. All I did was, you know, change them and do the, the feeding and, and so on and so forth. But he ran to the room and, and, and in his thought was he had to do something. This was his opportune time. He had to do something. So he ran in there and he looked at the machines and he had never been responsible for looking after them. And he thought, well, there's a handle. I'll take that handle and I'll pull on it and see if I can get air. And it did. It opened it up enough that the people, his patients, could get air. So I'm using that as an example that sometimes we're placed in a position that we have this opportune moment and that's it. This is it. And if you don't act, the opportunity is gone. So my second example is myself. And it is a, a negative example. I was in, um, I took Michelle downtown to downtown Vancouver to go to the uh, medical clinic down there. And um, as I was putting the money in the meter, I looked down in front of the meter and there was a $100 bill. Wow, <laughs> that's what I said too. <laughs> I looked around, I didn't see any other people around at all. So I thought, well, I guess I'll pick it up and take it. It might as well be mine as somebody else's. And I did. I did. So that's a negative example of opportune time. But that's not the end of the story. I was sitting there in the doctor's office, and it happened to have big windows. And you could see, it was almost like the street was that way. So after I'd been sitting there for five or ten minutes or so, all of a sudden I happened to look up from my book, and I see this man come out of the somewhere this side out of a store or somewhere, and look around the meter, went around his car, and he looked that direction and everywhere. Finally, and I'm sitting and thinking, is, did he really lose the money? <laughs> uh, maybe he saw me pick up the money, and he's hoping that I'm going to move. <laughs> and you know, I missed it. I totally missed it, because I sat there too long waiting, and I missed the opportune time. And that's it. I have no idea who he is, no idea how to go back and say, hey, here's your $100, and none of you were there. <laughs> so, so I got interested in this topic on time, and it went on forever, so I don't want to, that's why the notes are only half as, half as long as they're supposed to be. Um, in Ephesians, Paul exhorts the people to make good use of their time, both towards those who are believers and to those who are without. And the point I, I want to, to mention is we need to buy up the opportunities of time. Buy them up, not just say, I'm too busy, I can't go there, it's not for me, I have no talent, etc., etc. And to buy it out, Paul says when he says buy it out, 
means purchase all that it has to offer. Purchase all that it has to offer. That means pay the necessary price and the effort and an exertion. So the reason the, that we have um, Paul's meaning is not that because the time is wicked, and, and, and that's what the, the scripture says, that he says wickedness is not an opportunity. It reduces the opportunities. So when things come at us, it's reducing the opportunities. This is a reason for using every one of them and not losing a single one or only partly buying it out. Take advantage. And um, so when I was looking um, up for different words for time, uh, the other one was redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeem means it implies there's a preciousness about the opportunity that you've been given. You can make a difference. It's a jewel to be bought at any price. So I found th three people. Um, they're famous to somebody. I don't know who they are, but I will um, say what they said. Wall explains, <laughs> redeeming for yourselves, that is, availing yourselves of the opportunity that is offered of you of acting aright and commanding the time as a master does the servant. That was news to me. Command your time. Don't just let it be frittered away. Command it. Another one, uh, Titman, says, watch the time and make it your own so as to control it. As merchants look out for opportunities and accurately choose out the best goods that they're going to sell, serve not the time but command it. And it shall do what you approve. Serve, serve it. Pindar says, time followed him around as his servant and was not a runaway slave. I thought that was good because how many times we say, well, the time just ran away on me. It's gone. And it happens. And so I uh, originally had uh, something like five pages to give you because when I looked up um, uh, the definition of the word time, oftentimes when you look in the dictionary, there'd be three or four definitions that are used, different ways a word is used. Time is used in the dictionary 26 times in a different manner every time. He wouldn't, give me, he wouldn't give me the time of day. The time ran out on me. What time is it? Like, there's, you can just go on and on and on. So I, I went to um, a well-known story, the story of David and Goliath. And I want to share with you how he took the time at all the odds that were against him. Uh, the story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, and I'm not going to, to read it because it, I've only got a very short time. <laughs> anyway, not supposed to be funny. <laughs> so uh, Samuel comes along to Saul, who is the king, and says to him, um, Samuel comes along. And in the failure of Saul's kingship, God says to him, how long are you going to mourn him? How long are you going to take just wasting time here? Let's get on with it. And he had, um, 
in the very beginning of the story of David, we find that David is one of eight boys. Very familiar. This family has nine. These were eight boys. And in the, um, in the anointing of David, all of them are brought. All the good-looking guys, all the oldest, the, all the way down. And, and, and Samuel is perplexed because God, God doesn't answer him. He doesn't tell him, this is the one, this is the one. He thought the oldest one was. Not God says, no, I haven't chosen him. I don't like his heart. Right? And so it goes on and on. And finally, in exasperation, Samuel says, do you have any other kids? <laughs> you know, is there anybody else that we're, we're missing here? Because God isn't showing me anything here. God has not spoken. And so finally they go and get David. And I find it interesting that his family didn't even recognize him. His dad obviously didn't recognize him. Why wouldn't he have been there? I mean, all the rest of the kids were all lined up. And even if he wasn't chosen, why didn't dad bring him along? Could have learned something, right? No. So he was overlooked. And the scripture says he was ruddy, a ruddy, ruddy. And when I looked up that word, he was red-haired. I thought, huh, awesome. <laughs> red-haired and with a ruddy complexion to go with it. So I guess he didn't look as good as the rest of them anyway. Um, so he uh, was a mere keeper of the sheep, but Samuel anointed him because God spoke. It was the word from God. He anointed him, and this was the right time. Now, uh, it says of David, um, Saul's servants have seen David, and they describe him as the son of Jesse. There's a lot of things going here. A cunning harp player, skilled in music. A valiant, mighty man. A man of war. An understanding man. Discerning, good-looking. And the Lord was with him. So when Saul was having difficulties and, and the Spirit of the Lord left him and an evil spirit came to trouble him, it was David who was called for. All of these characteristics were in this young man. They were there already, but everybody else had overlooked it. They didn't give him the time of day, nothing. So Saul sends for him, and uh, it works. The evil spirit leaves him, and he becomes happy again. So then we have Saul forgetting all about him, and David goes back home again. It's not seen again until the battle with the Philistines. And the Philistines were on one side of the valley. There's the valley, and they were up in the mountain. On the other side were the children of Israel. <laughs> I had never seen this before, but do you know that they were all standing there like that for 40 days? <laughs> 40 days with... with um, Goliath just yelling all of these taunts at them, and the rest of them standing back over here in fear and trembling and doubt. Even his three brothers, the three oldest brothers. And I kind of try to figure out what happened to the rest of the brothers. So I nicknamed them all because they're not named in Scripture because they didn't show up. So we got Dodo 1, Dodo 2, Dodo 3, and Dodo 4. <laughs> anyway, they weren't there. They weren't there, and it was um, <laughs> it was uh, David who came to the rescue for the children of Israel. And um, 
faced with all the circumstances that we have in life of opportune times and the things that are happening to us, um, taking the right time when the time presents itself to do what we need to do. And David, totally unrecognized, not even known or recognized by his own father or his mother, he's the one who stands up and says, who is this? speaking of Goliath, that defies the armies of the living God. Who is he? Who is he? And um, when we were, sidetrack here, but when we were, had heard the news and things about Winona's situation, a couple of scripture uh, verses came to me, totally, like, totally out of context and totally not right, but the words came to me, and one was, who believes this report? And is the arm of the Lord shortened? That he cannot save, did God change? And I, and I thought of that, and I thought, That's, the Lord can bless you through verses that aren't even in context. <laughs> um, so um, David comes. Saul is informed that he has come. They co- and his own brothers even question his performance. What are you there for? You're just proud. That's all. You're just proud. And you want to be, and you want to see what the battle's like. And I am not convinced that David was as young as some people like to make him to be. I think for all of the things that he is, I think he was in his early 20s. I don't think he was a 12-year-old. I can't even see a 12-year-old carrying um, Saul's armor. So I think that he was a a little older than a lot of people say. Um, And he, um, his case is presented to Saul, and Saul says, okay, take the armor. He doesn't like the armor because the armor doesn't fit. It won't fit. He hasn't used it, and he hasn't tried it. In these opportune times when things happen, we need to use the armor that we know. And I was so proud of Winona the other day. She came home, gathered the family together. The two of them gathered the family together. And she says, this isn't written in my book. This is not part of my book. And I thought, right because she has weapons of warfare that she has used before. She's used them, she's well known to them, and she knows the Lord who gave her those weapons. And what, I gotta be short, because David has me on a little timer here. It's not very long, is it? It keeps going. You know, when you told me, or asked me to share, I gotta say this, David. When you asked me to share back about two months ago, you said, don't worry about the time, Mom. <laughs> anyway, I will keep going here. Uh, so, so David says to the giant, and the story is familiar to all of you. I, I'm just trying to bring it from a different aspect here. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies who you have defied. What is the covenant? What is in the covenant? What did those Israeli people have given to them by God? They were given the land where the Philistines were. They were given it. They were the rightful owners of that land. It was given to them. What has God given us? He's given us the healing covenant. He's given that to us, folks. Yeah. And even though uh, the reality is, is this, this is what the doctors are saying, it wasn't that there was some um, 
mystical army out there that was against the Israelis. They were there. It was real. They were there. But so was God in it all. And regardless of the fact that nobody else thought David could do it, God was with him, and David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have decided. And the Lord will deliver Goliath to David so that all the assembly will know that the Lord delivers, not with the spear or the sword, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it to you. He will give it to you, right? So we stand today with, with Marlon and David, and there's other people, too, who are really going through serious battles right now, and we're standing there because that is what the Lord has promised. Healing is in the covenant. It's for us. Um, David kills the giant, and Saul wants to know, whose son is this little stripling? Whose son is he? I thought that was good. And that, the meaning of that word stripling means the one who is kept out of sight. Isn't that neat? The one who is kept out of sight. So I say all this to say that David took advantage of the opportune time. He took advantage, and we need to too. Redeeming the time, buying up for ourselves a seasonable time whenever it occurs. And lots of times it's not when we want it to occur. Right? To do good to yourselves and to others. So I have uh, nine points. I'm a real pastor here. <laughs> I have uh, nine things just in summering it up. And it, it says, recognize who the enemy is and that is intimidation. It's his intimidation because he doesn't have that power. God has already promised the land. And the responsibility of the, Philistine, of the Israelites against the Philistines was to take it. It was already promised to them. He encourages us to fight back and not be confused or backed down. And that's where the uh, Israelite army was standing. They were confused. And 40 days, like my goodness. They were confused at the size of the enemy, but it was already promised to them. Do not be intimidated by the threats or the reports of the boasting of the enemy. David was not to be intimida intimidated by others' evaluation of his abilities because God was his source and his advantage. He had the upper end here. David took the opportune time. The rest had stood in fear and dismay, not knowing what to do for 40 days already. 40 days. Take the opportune time. Use and be familiar with the weapons. Prayer. Yeah. Fighting. Fight back. Don't be those who lay down. I thought of a, a scripture verse that says that the um, Ephraimites, when they were in battle, they turned back and they didn't, they didn't go and fight. We'd want to be those who turned back. Recognize that the battle is the Lord's. Recognize that he fights for you. Be willing to stand up and be counted and to take the opportune time while it is afforded to buy it out and to purchase 
all that it affords. Amen. That's it. Six minutes. <laughs> Just wanted to be an example to you guys that I can do it.